Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we are going to be covering Friday in the timeline of the Passion Week. And you are listening to According to John. I am your host, John Westfall. Thank you so much for joining me. And we're going to be opening in a word of prayer and then getting right into it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and love you, Father. Thank you for this day, this time that we have together. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless our time and that you would bless this podcast, Father, as we listen to what's going on in the life of Jesus on Friday. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we finished up Thursday in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 75 and that is where the the rooster crows and peter runs out and he weeps bitterly and then in verse chapter 27 of matthew verse 1 it picks up with when morning came when morning came all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against jesus to put him to death and when they had bound him they led him away and delivered him to pontius pilate the governor now i'm just going to tell you oh the governor's frustrating we'll talk about him here in a minute i don't want to jump ahead but we're going to look at judas judas iscariot who betrayed jesus Judas has issues. Let's look here in verse three. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Listen, he realizes he messed up, but let me say he never repented of his sin to Christ. He only repented of himself. In other words, he felt guilty. He felt bad. I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood, but he never said, God, forgive me. And that was the problem, right? He was still all about himself. And they say here in verse four, he says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Listen, this is your problem. You did it. We didn't do it. And so he sh they shove it back onto Judas and basically tell him, you deal with it. Then verse 5, then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Now, here's what I find. <laughs> Oh, so hypocritical of these guys, right? They have been hypocrites from the word go. Even what we found out in chapter 25 when Jesus uh, was talking about the scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests, and he called them all hypocrites. He said they were like whitewashed tombs, man. They were all beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, they were like dead man's bones. They were uh, basically a graveyard on the inside. And here they're going, oh, well, we better not keep this uh, money because that's not lawful because we keep the law. What hypocrites. Okay. <sighs> We're going to find as this goes on that they actually get even worse hypocrites than what they are right here. Okay. Let's look here in verse seven. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. 
They took the money. They bought a field because this is a good thing to do, right? Verse 8, therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, being Jesus, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered them not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. You know, normally what would happen here is someone would be begging for their lives. They would be saying anything they can to be spared. And here Jesus is saying nothing. And that is why the governor marveled. It's like, can you imagine again the calmness? the strength, all that Jesus possesses. And so we see here in 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wish. So now it's coming up where they have the option of releasing a prisoner. And so they have their choice. He has his choice of Barabbas or Jesus. It's like, who should I release to you? Look here. It says, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Verse 19, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. And I'm going to tell you, I bet you today, Pilate's wishing he would have listened to his wife. That's all I'm going to say. Verse 20, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd. Guys, I was telling you earlier this week, how amazing is it that Jesus comes into town, they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then just a few days later, they're crying, Barabbas, Barabbas, and crucify, crucify Jesus. It is amazing how quickly things change and how the few in leadership manipulate the people. It is amazing to me. At any rate, let's move on. Verse 21, it says, But the governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? And you know, they don't even 
care about answering the question. They don't want to look at truth. They don't want to acknowledge truth. They don't want to accept facts. Listen, get rid of all of that. All they care about is what they want. Forget about pointing out our sin. Forget about pointing out our faults. Forget about the fact that we have no grounds to stand to crucify this man. And here was their response when the governor said, what evil has he done? And the Bible says, but they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. They don't even answer the question. They don't care about the answer. They only want what they want. And somehow, somehow, the chief priest and the elders have convinced the multitude that have felt the effects of salvation, felt the effects of uh, being healed and being raised up and, and getting their sight back and being healed from leprosy. All of these people are there and somehow, the chief priests and elders have convinced them to cry out, crucify him, and have convinced them to ignore the truth. Verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and our children. Now, here's the crazy thing. Pilate, you're not innocent. You had the power to make a decision, and Pilate, you chose. You chose to go with the crowd. You chose your professional position over God's power. You chose to ignore what to do that was right, and you chose to go with the crowd that was wrong, and you knew it, and so therefore your hands are not innocent of his blood no matter how many times you wash them. And the people, the people wanted their way so bad, and they didn't care the cost to the point, to the point of their children, they cursed the entire next generation. They cursed them. You know, we've cursed the next generation because we've been silent. We did what Pilate did. We washed our hands of, we're innocent of this. We didn't do anything wrong. What we did, we did to this generation coming up in America we did the same thing to them that the Israelites did to Jesus. We chose the evils of the world and we sold out Jesus. And we think that we can wash our hands of the blood. And guys, I'm telling you, we can't. We are no more innocent than what they are back in the day when they hung Jesus. Verse 26. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and the reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. Verse 31, and when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him compelled to bear his cross. 
And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Verse 35. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusations written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. That's junk. Junk. They wouldn't believe him. They didn't believe him when he was saving their lives and healing their bodies. They're not going to believe him if he comes down off the cross. Verse 43. They go on. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Verse 45, Jesus dies on the cross. It says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 47. Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on the reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee ministering to him were there looking on from afar among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's sons. And then in verse 57, what we see is Jesus is buried in Joseph's tomb. Verse 57, now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. 
This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it into his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. Guys, that's Friday. A whole lot of stuff happens on Friday. And it was the death of our Savior. And so here we are. We're going to get ready for Saturday. And Saturday, I can only imagine what's going through their minds. The quiet, the quiet of the night, the wondering all that's going on. And then you have the Sabbath there. They have the Sabbath where they, they're not supposed to do anything. So they have to wait. And then there's more plotting and planning and it's just crazy. But Jesus came, died on a cross so that you and I could have life. That was Friday. I pray. I pray that that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that that changes right now. And it's so easy. The Bible just says you have to believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Savior of the world, died, rose again, conquered death and hell, and he's at the right hand of the Father. And you put your faith in him. For by faith you are saved. I pray that that happens for you right now. Hey, guys, thank you for tuning me in and listening and if this has helped you, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. Until the next time, God bless.